2: Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp, and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to, to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling, England playing, World Cup winning, Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind, both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listener, Gog, giggle excitedly and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers.
3: And welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hi. And Dave Watson. Hi. I I tried out something a little different there, didn't I, in the way I said it. It was a bit breakfast, DJ. Yeah. Well, you're listening to the Newcastle Natter. Coming up, we've got the news and weather. But first, we're going to talk about the game. So, guys, um, (laughs) we might as well go straight in. On the last podcast, the first half of the, the show was taken up by talking about the Super League. And so impactful, so passionate was our debate on the last Newcastle matter, We managed to bring down the Super League. So we don't need to worry about that anymore.
0: Are we the big no. three that took down the big six or the big 12?
3: I think we are. I think we are. It's been I I enjoy we were on the last night we were right in the midst of it. Hmm. After about two or three days of constant news on the Super League, I'd that was the most I've enjoyed football. (laughs) 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 In a couple of years at least. That was so entertaining. Well, I mean, it was because it,
1: it gave an opportunity for, like, novel opinions. Because normally it's just like, is that player any good? No, he's shit. We all know he's shit. Are oh, Newcastle any
3: good? No, the shit. We know the shit. Is that, is that a handball? Yeah. <laughs> is that it's VAR? Awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking takeover. takeover? You know what I mean? <laughs> but,
0: I think as well it was a rare occasion where money doesn't completely win out against principles which in football these days is incredibly rare
1: i don't know if money won if principles won out over money or i think they one won of the money. battle yeah i think one pot of money won over another pot of money i think that's yeah, the, but way also the,
0: the it. pot of money that won is still a pot of money linked to a competition that's genuinely competitive so like sport yeah.
3: in a way one yeah. I think you're probably right. And when you deeply analyse it or almost anything, it's very depressing oh, Yeah, <laughs> from whatever, at whatever angle. Almost anything in this world, if you really look into it, it's very depressing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it, it, just as a consumer of news, I found it so enjoyable because it was simply like, right, okay, what's the story? Right. They're the goodies. They're the baddies. Uh oh! Looks yeah. like the baddies are getting it wrong, and it was like it was just so just watching it crumble. It was. It was just really entertaining. But there were so many
1: oh, unlikely, so many oh, unlikely alliances as well. It's like suddenly we're on the side of like UEFA and FIFA, who are normally the the you know despotic villains and also on the side of Chelsea fans who usually race his pricks. So it was quite a weird bedfellow. It was I enjoyed it. And long. now I want another one. Like something yeah. else like that. Just something else. The thing I think it that took the, the edge
0: I, off is the sort of two days after it's been in the news cycle, you get the inevitable smug I'm actually going to be quite contrary now. So, like every the people hmm. come out and go, Oh, so uh, everyone's happy with uh, Russian money in football, are they? The, the, uh, <laughs> the bad guys, are they? People who seem to assume they've made this amazing point for the first time that parts yeah. of football are corrupt or governed by money over principles,
3: yeah, yeah, I, no, that's yeah. true. But it was entertaining for a while, and I think we will get the chance to see a little bit of that. Again, I think it will rear its head. There'll be Hmm. some things like that, but that...
2: Well, it was interesting... I'll ever
3: get as much pure joy from football as that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was interesting because the PL, the Premier League, are looking to change the laws so that if that were ever to happen again, the teams are booted out of the league. So it, it will be... If it were to happen again and somebody say, like, let's have a European Super League... They'd have to weigh that against the fact that they will be booted out of the Premier League.
3: I've heard that, and I've heard that 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 they would have to sign it off. So if you don't, if Man United, for example, refused to agree to that, then then that sort of proves that they're like them pulling out is completely. Irrelevant. Mm. Um, I sort
0: of feel like their owners wouldn't mind signing that off either, though. All of those six clubs. I think the the fans, the players, and most board members wouldn't like it, but I think the owners, especially the American ones, would be like, "Great, that would <laughs> that would solve a lot of our problems." Sure.
3: <laughs> well, we'll see. But um, I enjoyed it a lot. And also, um, is it is it okay to say that I'm quite enjoying being a Newcastle fan? It's been. Brighton was on the 20th of March when we lost three hmm. nil since then it's been quite good fun right uh let's talk about the most recent match unfortunately I was at um a child's birthday party COVID safe for the majority of that um but uh we did manage to get ourselves a 1-1 draw with Liverpool. Dave, you watched the match, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was one of those games that if you played it out on Football Manager and you were the big club that, that drew 1-1, you'd have thrown the keyboard. You'd probably do the close, don't save, load a new game. Because they like from the off, they were, um, they were all over us. Uh, Salah scored after three minutes, and it, it was... Um, it was. It looked like it was going. We were going to be in for a battering. I mean, it ended up like sixty-eight and a half percent possession to them. Near enough seventy percent possession. Um, they had twenty-two shots, nine of them on target. XG two point eight five. They should, could, and should have beaten us really, really comfortably. If if that game had ended like I don't know five-two or something to Liverpool. I don't think that would have been surprising because neither team defended very well. They wasted so many chances. And, yeah, it was just... It was, it was a fantastic game of football to watch.
3: But it but wasn't like... Would I, would I be like right in thinking that it wasn't like... One of the most memorable games for me this season was us against Spurs when we managed to get 1-1 right at the end hmm. with a hilarious penalty situation. Yeah. in that game they absolutely battered us and we offered nothing yeah it wasn't like that because
1: because we because of the way we've been set up since the Brighton game we yeah. were offering a real threat on the counter attack I mean Alan saint was yet again scaring the shit out of the opposition to the point where I don't know if you've seen it but like Fabinho I think he's on it's on the halfway line saint Maximum you know, knocks it past them and Fabinho, no interest in the ball whatsoever, just essentially rugby tackles some Maximum. And in, I mean, it's another debate, but I would say that should be a red card. There it's was another reckless. one of those
0: earlier in the game. I can't remember which centre-back it was. Did Kavak. Yeah. Ca- yeah, yeah. But St-Maxim seems Cavac. to get two of those a game now. Almiron mm. quite often gets them as well. I think until it's made a red, it's going to keep happening. But just because it's stopping a counter-attack in your own half, it's still denying what will probably become a goal-scoring opportunity.
3: I think the thing about those situations, as a fan that gets you, is like, if it's St. Maximin, you're like, that could, should be a red. Because in your head, as a fan, you can see mm. that you have a fantastic opportunity. But if it's Joe Linton. <laughs> You're like, yeah. well, it's a yellow. <laughs> it's like dependent on the player.
0: Yeah, with Joe Linton, you're like, that's got us up the pitch and it means we can put a ball in the box <laughs> from somewhere. Well played. But with St Maximin, <laughs> you are just like, you know what could be. It's the numbers and the speed on the break as well because now we actually do seem genuinely able to counter-attack. It's, very th- it's something Man City, weirdly, are really dirty at doing. It gets overlooked in the idea of Pep's beautiful football they're forever doing that of just breaking up right at the beginning taking a a cynical yellow
1: so there's one thing I want to be clear on it's not that he fouled him on the the counter attack it was the manner in which he fouled him because Mm. he there was it wasn't just like clipping his heels or um, like a a, a shoulder to shoulder just barging out of the way this was it was the ball was long gone by the time Fabinho altered his his trajectory to like Like, just barrel into an Alan's maximum. So, there
3: was, it was like hyper cynical. It wasn't like. I think the the problem is that the way football is now, there would have been a time when you could have that at the referee's discretion and the referee can make that decision. But because of the way they have to make the rules now, it would have to be something very, a very specific law on what Mm -hmm. determined made that situation a red and and then that would just be just constantly tiresomely debated. I mean, I know now it <laughs> it's creating, yeah. it's, it's creating a, a, a goal score, denying a goal scoring opportunity. Yeah. I, mean, but yeah, I suppose you it's, could make the case that 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 was denying a goal scoring opportunity, even though it was that far back. I, but I think if there was a rule I'll like, cover that. I, don't
0: know. I think if there was something about no attempt to play the ball, Kind of thing. So, for so that cynical there, there, there level. There of foul. is.
1: So it's it's um if the there's essentially like one of the red card offences is um like excessive like physical contact off the ball, like if if somebody uses like excessive force off the ball. Also, if if a if a challenge is reckless, and I think you can you can certainly make a case that the excessive force was was used because he he fucking like speared him and the the other thing was like and the so it was reckless yeah it was reckless because the the impact could have like it, it was deliberate to hurt him it wasn't like a wasn't like I say it wasn't clipping his heels or something it was reckless and it was excessive force and those are both yeah. red card offences I
0: think this isn't hyperbole just because it's St Maximin and it happened to Newcastle but I think he was genuinely trying to kill him I think it yeah. should be arrested. <laughs> it's never, never going to be a red, but I, it's mm-hmm. a shame because I think there should be a panel that judges it based on players immediately. Like that's St. Maximum, that's a red. I think it
3: should be a celebrity panel, like every yeah. week. Have, like, a comedian, maybe an ex politician, a chef, and they should. Uh...
0: Or a handful of locally selected nurses who've won the privilege.
3: To represent test exactly. for it that exactly. should happen. If you can, if you can make decisions of life and death every day, then it should be a cinch <laughs> to make a decision like that. <laughs> these these people, they, they're capable. They pr- they prove it day in day out. Paul, you saw most of the game, didn't you?
0: Yes. Sorry, was,
3: you that. that's not the question.
0: Before that, so I think you found a way to fix VAR, which is just have it operated by nurses. And it's sure. guaranteed to work. But yes, I did see the game. I really... If you say it's
3: not guaranteed to work, then you are you insulting our nurses?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've, it's not often you get to sit down and enjoy a Newcastle game and go toe-to-toe with one of the best teams. I don't, Even though they were all over us stats-wise, even Klopp didn't really have any complaints with the draw. I think we I think... deserved we deserved it more on the basis of their crap finishing and our good goalkeeper, but actually as well, we could have, I'm sure we'll come onto it. Could have won two, one. We did mm. have a goal disallowed after 90 minutes.
3: Sure. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they have really tailed off as a side. Um, if we, if we'd have been catching them a year ago, then, uh, I mean, Salah seems to be the only one of the front three who can finish anymore for them. Mm-hmm. um, uh, yes, uh, this is what I, I came into the game at a perfect moment, I saw the last 10-15 minutes with my um, nearly four-year-old sons out my lap, who for a moment just decided to be really into football and really enjoyed it, so it was like really good fun <laughs> and um, they uh, we, we got uh, a fucking bar you just don't know if you're allowed to celebrate But we did get uh, an equaliser that turned out to not be an equaliser, didn't we?
0: I did Mm -hmm. celebrate and there was no part of me that was like, I don't know if I'm allowed to celebrate this. I was screaming around the house to the point where my daughter came down and told me to be quiet because it was hurting her feelings (laughs) (laughs) after both goals. I got a proper talking to after, her. she's only four, and she was like, you you need to celebrate less loudly because that (laughs) wasn't fun. (laughs)
3: So um, the first one, I've just remembered exactly what happened. It was the uh, the Wilson scenario. Yeah. yeah, handball that wasn't a handball that was a handball. Um, the I mean, annoying that, really.
0: The rule there is annoying, and if it is a handball, if they're looking at from VAR, why is the foul that happened in the build-up to it not given? There's this is the problem with VAR, and I think why we all agree it probably should go. It only works if you have a decent level of application of it. And we don't mm. have that. So it's, it's really... I heard, um, is it Nicky
3: Bandini on yeah. the Football Weekly podcast um, saying the other day that it's just about the way it's applied and there just is nowhere near as much debate in Italy because there are a lot more um, clear and obvious... In Italy, whereas here mm. seems to be go, the whoever's responsible for VAR seems to be like going through the minutiae of every decision. Mm. Clear and obvious just seems to be have been completely ignored. But mm. um yeah, Dave, anything to say on that first denied goal? Disallowed mm. goal. <laughs> not really i mean i know that, that
1: law that handball law is getting looked at next like i think it's going to get scrapped for next season which makes sense cuz i mean it's it's similar to my, my problem with the offside law and the way it's applied if you boil it down to what the the original law was to stop um it was to like is to you to use your hands to like get an advantage or to score a goal or something like it to to Cheat using your hands, but like the ball bouncing off somebody and hitting your hand, it's not you using your hands; it's just you having hands. So it's not it, it, like it's not against the to put like the um the what's the word I'm looking for. It's not against football to like accidentally ball strike your hand. Just like, this
0: feels like the yeah. beginning of a talk sport debate, though. Where it's like problem with VAR, like you can't have hands.
3: If you go play football yeah. player, you're not allowed to have hands the game's gone to be fair it could be a fantastic boost for our Paralympians <laughs> it's true suddenly <laughs> um, so <laughs> uh, yeah that, the first disallowed goal boring whatever mm. just very frustrating but there we are um Second goal, not disallowed. Joe Willock. What has he scored? He scored he scored four in the last four, or is it three in the last three? Yeah. He scored feels like three, he's He's scored three late goals in the last four games. That's what he's done. He's <laughs> almost got a goal a game
0: and he's hardly started
3: late. He is developing a reputation which he says he doesn't want, understandably, and that is super sub. To be fair, I don't I have this perception that he's great and we need to um, we need to try and sign him permanently and maybe we should, but all I sort of have seen him do is arrive late and score goals at the end of games. But well, I mean, you I know, I don't who, really know what else he does as a footballer, but I mean if he That's not a bad one uh, trick to have <laughs> great. If he can keep doing that. I mean it's if he manages to do it at the same rate he'll be He'll be in the uh, Premier League Hall of Fame. More on that later. Kevin um, Nolan, hey. that's who he reminds me of. Ken, yeah, yeah, Kevin. Not, uh, not,
1: uh, not in the same, like, you know, he's a different type of football, but just that arrives late, scores a goal, but you don't really see what else he does, which is why I don't think he works as, a, as like a, a one of two. I think you have to play him as a three, as part of a midfield three. But I think
0: I, what was um, interesting about Willock coming on was the, the tactical reshuffle That allowed him to play as a midfielder. (laughs) Did you see this? So we we took off, I think it was Kieran
1: Clark, who was one of the
0: three.
1: Yeah, he didn't he didn't have a great game. No, he had
0: probably his worst game, I think. But instead of going to four at the back, which seems obvious, we moved a midfielder into the heart of our defence. And it was John Joe Shelby, which is... Because what you
1: want at the back, what you want at the back is somebody who's uh, who can't tackle, who's slow, who's selfish and who's prone to, like, just pinging the ball away. Oh, and one who's easily wound up. That's what you want at the rock of your fucking hell. But it worked. (laughs) It worked, worked Dave.
0: In fairness to it as an idea... Shelby, a lot of the time, plays in that position anyway. He's just not started. Like He does find
1: himself coming
0: deep. Does
1: that mean we should play Joe Linton as a centre midfielder then? Maybe. I'm
0: still continually baffled by what Shelby's doing to be... He's the only sort of ever-present, I think, since Bruce decided he was doing it his way, whatever that is. I'm still not totally clear on that. And... Shelby's passing range seems to just have gone. I don't the only assist he's had was in the was it the Burnley game where he passed it to St. Maximum about four <laughs> feet in his own half, and then St. Maximum rounded everyone on the pitch twice and scored. <laughs> Shelby gets an assist from that. But I'm well, not quite sure what you... he offers that's keeping Willock out of the team. But maybe he's just like a lucky omen.
1: I'm not I'm not Shelby's biggest fan, but I think What he does offer is that that outball that if you are a counter attack side and you're not playing with like Shaw and um, like maybe's Fernandez, but if you because you to replace that level of passing ability, you'd have to have a couple of decent ball playing centre halves Mm. and you know someone like Sean Longstaff in the in the centre who can you know. Nowhere near as good as as Shelby, but like can pass it long. Um So I
3: think I think if we're playing counter attack, we have to have to either play Sharon and Fernandez or Shelby. I get the sense that Shelby he is very talented, you know, and I th- I get the sense that a lot of managers like him because in a squad like ours, a uh, bottom half of the table Premier League squad in training every day i'm sure he's by no means the hardest worker but i imagine compared with other central midfielders he does quite a few things in training every week that just make the coaches go oh he is a good player yeah Mm -hmm. just think i think he's a nice footballer to to watch when he when when he does things right, and I'm not saying he's doing the right thing in games at all, but I just think, I just imagine around the coaching staff, he has a, a favourable reputation. Uh, uh, do you know what I mean? They they look on his ability. Hmm. Yeah,
0: I sort of get that. I kind of I think it was in the Athletic there was a good article about him, and they were saying Bruce essentially did the same when he was at Hull with Tom Huddleston who is a sort of identical player, like has a very good silky passing range on him, but no work ethic. I, I do get that we need that sort of passing range to start counterattacks, but I think if you're having a midfield two, you can't afford for one of them to be as lazy as Shelby. I think it's not going too badly at the minute because we're coming up against teams that are tired from fixture congestion or have nothing to play for at the end of the season.
1: I think the other thing to consider is is you don't need that level of passing range when your wing backs aren't getting to the byline, you and your two attacking midfielders in Alan St. Maxim and, and Miguel Almirón are perfectly happy picking the ball up in your half and taking mm-hmm. it on themselves. They don't need that that ball over the top. And I don't know I, if if Shelby would have go in the summer, I wouldn't shed any tears. I think. he's he's, yeah I don't know he's done
3: I think it'd be interesting to see how he He goes to like a promoted side or something
1: yeah or a team that's in the championship yeah a team that's going for promotion in the championship but like I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up with Fulham
0: yeah I think as well there's no reason why him with Wilson couldn't recreate the sort of Shelby Gale partnership that there was we do finally have a front man with quite a good range of movement like shelby when you got joel linton up front doesn't really make sense but i guess maybe we'll see a bit more between now and the end of the season of his passing range when we've got a few genuine movement options up top i don't
3: know well whatever it is it's it's um the mood is somewhat different to what it was a few weeks ago and uh We'll have, uh, we'll have a break now, I think, and then we'll go on to social media. And uh, we'll also talk about um, Alan Shearer being inducted into the legendary Premier League Hall of Fame. But um, it's nice to talk about us uh, having some good performances for a change. And uh, but we'll have a break and we'll be back in a minute.
2: Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable.
3: Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike, e-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the Newcastle and Good break, guys. Lovely. Yeah, Hall of Fame worthy right okay let's do the hall of fame so suddenly out of nowhere with no fucking warning i had no idea this was coming up did you no um, the premier you weren't league consulted
0: i, I barely consulted. had time to put a suit on when i heard the <laughs> news
3: the premier league has decided uh, that we now have a hall of fame it, it, it seems two like, people you know, in it it's well you've got to start somewhere haven't you i know it's Start
0: somewhere I hope um, they stop there, though. Just don't induct
3: anyone else.
1: And there's a literal, and there's a literal hall of fame where those two are just like milling around this massive hall.
3: I would like it if there's like if there's like an admin error, and like the next and like the Kinks get inducted, or, <laughs> or, like, or just or like Paul like, Skulls gets inducted into the Rock and Hall, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame,
0: or just the next one, someone like M. <laughs> It's just really not befitting of the Hall of Fame.
3: (laughs) It was like four for a couple of seasons. But but, uh, first, yes, Alan Shearer and Thierry Henry. They've played it pretty safe, pretty deserved. Hard to argue. Yeah. It's hard to argue, but Rio Ferdinand managed it.
1: (laughs) Did he? What did he say? What's he done uh... there? He said that um, Thierry Henry, fair enough, but he doesn't think that Shearer should have been in because he hasn't won enough. You know, the Premier League's all-time top goal scorer, who's got <laughs> at least one Premier League trophy, hasn't won enough. Isn't good enough to be in Rio Ferdinand's. Ferdinand, Ferdinand think thinks Rio, it should basically be Man U players.
0: If Ferdinand wants a different player in there, he should go out and buy them with his own money. <laughs> yeah. Simple as that. That's like Shearer being in Shearer being the record goalscorer and not being in a good team is more of a reason for him to be in there. Yeah, he's, he's essentially it, had a hand tied behind his back.
1: And he, st- yeah, it's like um, Letitia will. Eventually get into there, and he didn't score very many comparatively. He's, um, you know, he, I don't think he won anything at Southampton, did he? Um, so, but he was such a glorious footballer that he has to be in the Hall of Fame.
0: His career path is one of the odd... His late, his autumn years, a mad Matt Letizia, If you follow him on Twitter, he's now a full-on like anti-lockdown nut Mm.
1: job yeah but I mean some of the other ones are like you know you you can't you can't argue with them but I don't want them to be in there like Roy Keane John Terry John Terry Michael Owen there should be like a Hall of Fame and a Hall of Cunts I think
3: there should be like those (laughs) those two things
0: I can't see Sky Sports News reporting (laughs) on the opening of the Hall of Cunts
3: the thing about any of these debates which we're now going to have like every year for ages about, well, he's not a Hall of fame player. To me, a Hall of fame player is, is the, the debate that has started to happen so often in the last five years. that really irritates me is the world-class debate. The debate of whether an individual player is world-class or not. Because mm. world-class is not something that's defined by anything. So it's not, it's just what, it's two people <laughs> who have two def- different definitions of what world-class is arguing over whether... So are you, you're telling me... gag on a You're telling me that Robin Van Persie was world-class. You're telling me... <laughs> Robin, Robin Van Persie look, 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 Yes, because in my world-class there's 10 players and your world-class is 50. I don't.
0: It is well, like 50 I, people like, arguing over whether a player has joie de vivre. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's just a meaningless thing and that is what this Hall of Fame thing will be until it's been going for 50 years and through that... Uh, there has been a criteria set. But at the moment, there's so many, there are plenty of players who could, because we're inheriting this from American sports, right? And they yeah. take in lots of players and there are plenty of players who already would have been in the Hall of Fame if we were mm-hmm. like American sports. So, you know.
1: Yeah, I think I think the um, the the thing that I'm looking forward to is like, 20 years' time when you start seeing people like, I don't know, Kevin Phillips getting in there or, you know, just like because he, he won the Golden Boot. You know, he was the European top goal scorer for that particular season. He did score a lot of goals. Does he Is, Is he, he a Hall of
0: Famer though, David? Is he a Hall of Famer? He's not a
3: Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Fame player. He's not a Hall of Fame player. Kevin Phillips, he's not a Hall of Fame player. He's not a Hoffer. He's not a Hoffer. <laughs> <laughs> but with that being said i mean it's hard to say because i'm going to say we can't you don't include players like michael owen or sol campbell who, who which will be the next new ex-newcastle player who played 100 games for us did Michael Owen play 100 games for us Mm -hmm. I'm discounting Michael Owen because he's not defined by Newcastle yeah and he's in
1: the other hall that we were talking
3: about right okay (laughs) the next ex-Newcastle player who played 100 games for us to go into the Hall of Fame
0: Janola probably didn't score play 100 games
3: for us right forget it the next Newcastle player who is (laughs) Les Ferdinand an ex-Newcastle player Les Ferdinand
1: I I would have said Gary Speed Les Ferdinand Shea Given outside yeah. chance of show you given um one of the top goalkeepers for pretty much the entirety of his career um does a good show
3: andy cole wouldn't he be in there before
1: mm, definitely yeah, andy cole yeah.
3: games but i mean
1: um it's 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 tricky though because when you look at some of the players that we hold as some of our best players because they didn't win anything at newcastle they won't be viewed as hoffers. It'll just be like Rob Lee was one of the best midfielders in the country. Is he gonna get in there? I would be surprised.
0: Do you think Philip Albert will get in there? Because that's the litmus test for me of whether I want to go to this Hall of Fame. Or Nikos Davitas.
3: <laughs> well, depends. <the point> <laughs> Philip Albert maybe get in there, May will maybe get in there, but like he, he might be at like nearly 200 players before him. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Fair. But, so,
3: yeah, I don't think I don't think for really, for, you know, a,
1: a list of good reasons, there won't be many, very many Newcastle players who
3: yeah, do get in I saw in something there. on Twitter where someone had a, uh, it was something to do with the Premier League saying, give us your nominations, give us your six, and they had about 30 players up there. And I found it really hard to pick Six, because there were so many players in there. You're like, well, how could how could Roy Keane, Patrick Vieira, Wayne Rudy Frank Lampard, John Terry, Ashley Cole, Peter Schmeichel, mm. Steven Gerrard? How could any of these players not be Eric Cantona? Yeah. Like, you know, basically. But I think like, if
0: you have if you have too many players in there as well, it undermines the sanctity of the weak old <laughs> concept of a Hall of Fame for the Premier League.
1: that's what upsets me and the the thing the thing that gets me is this this is purely to get people clicking on links and looking at shit when like we say
3: in like four or five years time all of those 30 players will be on there well we don't know how many they're going to announce when they what are you doing Dave what Dave you've suddenly just made a terrified face
1: yeah yeah
3: my little one's crying his eyes out
0: it's the Hall of Fame that's done it. It's he's against. Fame. It's just, and I just yeah. name him.
3: Well, you know, leave it... It's still a patriarchy. Leave it to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It'll be the, it's the... Um, yeah, it's, it's the concept of the Hall of Fame. He's like, why are we talking about the Hall of Fame when there are people out there living in poverty? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, we don't know how many... How often they're going to announce Hall of Famers, but all I know is when all the restrictions are gone, three of us we need to go there and we need to have a look around the Hall of Fame. Well, that's a point because the the football
1: museum's in Manchester,
0: is
1: it? Yeah, is that where the Hall of Fame
0: is? Yeah, Yeah. Mm. I don't know, I've got no idea. What
3: are they going to do? They're (laughs) going to print out the Wikipedia page of each player. Um, So uh, I've got some stuff on uh, (coughs) social media here, uh, some Twitter questions. As always, I'm going to completely irresponsibly read these completely fresh. So if um, you do ever want to get some of your wild white supremacist ideas broadcast then this is a great way of doing it <laughs> because I read these completely fresh um, Andy Sheldon says presuming we survive how do you see next season going will we be able to keep hold of Alan Saint Maximin in the close season will the return of fans and inevitable constant abuse see Bruce out the door three questions there three good questions let's assume we survive next season How's it going to go? I mean, I think it'll be like this season. I think it'll be um, a couple of long spells of terrible football um, interrupted by a couple of short spells of quite good football and all right results, which will be enough to make us survive. That's what it's been like every year for the last five
0: Five years. I think this season especially, it's depended... Mainly on the fitness of Alan Saint Maximin, so it, sure. it could be another one of those.
3: Which brings us on to: Will we be able to keep him in summer? I mean, it's good.
1: I think so because if he if he'd been fit for the entirety of this season, and if um, COVID hadn't smashed a lot of clubs' budgets into pieces. Um, had he been fit and people had money to spend then yeah I
3: could have seen a, a bigger We'd club from to, him. it would take something crazy from Mike Ashley because whatever his transfer fee is I don't think there's many clubs willing to pay that right now
0: you know what do you think Ashley would sell him for because I reckon if say 35 or 40 million came in Ashley would accept it
1: yeah I would say 40 million I, think I don't want know who's to use... got that
3: to spend is the other thing I think they may and there must be clubs who've got 40 million to spend but you don't spend it on a player who is as injured as often as St. Louis mm. is, surely surely a couple of years ago probably would mm-hmm. uh, um, will the return of van, fans and all of that you, is Bruce going to leave? Yeah. I, think the, a, I think the word unless is, in, there's a takeover
1: yeah, I mean, but then a takeover changes everything, like it changes what we can expect, who'd stay, all That's, the rest that of
3: it. changes everything. So, assuming there isn't a takeover, he's going to be our manager at the beginning of next season, isn't he? And yeah, he probably will be until we're in a, a relegation fight mm-hmm. worse than the one we've been in this season.
0: Yeah, I think the. <laughs> the interesting word in the question is like the inevitable abuse of bruce i'm not i'd be interested to see what happens when fans are back in the stadium even for the sheffield united game because it it felt very inevitable not that long ago but i i feel like after the liverpool game if fans are in now i don't think there'd necessarily be bruce getting abused i don't think well, it's
3: also, of, it, it, depends, it depends that, and if that is if that does happen I mean, Ashley's had so much abuse for years, and that doesn't budge him. Abuse yeah, on that's, that's uh, abuse on Bruce is is just a nice shield for Ashley, isn't it? So, I I, I think all it would do is potentially cause Bruce to resign because it would be affecting his mental health. I,
0: Yeah, I think it would take being in the bottom three for Ashley to get rid of Bruce. I don't think it would be anything to do with fan reaction, but the two sort of go hand in hand. I think Bruce might have earned another chance with a lot more fans than maybe some think.
3: I think you might be right, because it has been a few games is is enough to to make you forget what's been for it?
0: And by second chance, I mean eighth chance.
3: Sure. John Tilly says are we good now? It just doesn't feel right, does it? Is even Dave starting to feel a bit pos- more positive about us?
1: Hey, Hang on a second. I was pretty positive that we would stay up. I was pretty positive that Alan St Maximum's a good player and Wilson's a good player and all the rest of it. It was just fucking Bruce that was the
3: issue. then Bruce. I think you were you were certain we would go down until it looked like we would go down and then you were kind of positively would stay up so i think we've all been proved right and wrong a number of on in a number of different ways it's
0: the beauty of football you get to change your mind often enough that you're always right and always wrong uh
3: tony no toppings says great name by the way (laughs) great name tony no toppings what are your thoughts on the balance of the team and getting certain players in the right positions e.g. people saying Almiron is out of position and need a back four. Would we then have to drop Ritchie? Is Maximin and Wilson Wilson as a front two viable or should ASM be on the wing long-term? There's some deep tactical talk there. Mainly depends on availability, doesn't it? But whatever we're doing right now, I quite like it. Yeah, I I wouldn't wouldn't mess with it. I think... um,
1: um, Alan St. Maximum as like one of a front two. I don't particularly like it because he naturally drops deeper to get on the ball, and what you might find then is that your actual striker Wilson starts getting isolated. So um, I'd much prefer to have a four-two-three-one hey. um, with St. Maximum out on the wing. But I appreciate that without. Isaac Hayden in the side, we don't have a solid uh central midfielder. So we kind of and plus like 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 we said it's working, so I wouldn't mess with it. But long term, yeah, I'd want change. I'd want
3: uh, like but I'd want 4231. Long term, when you're looking towards next season, hmm. whatever the right system for us is, it needs to be one that works around a player like say Maximum. And players like Almiron rather than Richie, who is great. But if like if Richie is a casualty of the system, then so be it.
0: Yeah. Same with Jacob Murphy as well. I think Richie and Murphy have been a big part in our upturn in form. But a lot of that is because they fit that system. But we're playing our. We need our best players in their best positions. I don't think sure. we've had many games where that's been the case.
3: Both Richie as Murphy. well could play in a front three, but they don't come on. Yeah. But not by rights. Sorry, Paul. Something else no,
0: I think saying? I was basically about to say the same thing, really. I think Richie, Richie and Murphy have been great players, but you sort of think, is there any point having them when really they're only going to be getting into our team when we're playing wing backs? That might be harsh on both of them.
3: Um, Another question along similar lines to one that's been before. Lagrange says, now that survival is almost secured, when will Dave be serving up humble pie with extra custard, just how Brucey likes it? Take that, Dave. The listeners have perceived you to be a man who should be eating humble pie now. And Dave will be eating that humble pie on the last episode of the season. Don't forget to like <laughs> and subscribe. Um, All Hail Teague says Watford got promoted which means their keeper will do those vlogs behind the scenes in the Premier League am not familiar with that which Newcastle player slash manager would you most enjoy a candid daily vlog from and whose would be the least enjoyable
0: so is this Ben Foster because I saw I don't really know what this is about but I just yes, see like he wears a GoPro or something during games or that might have been during games I may have got completely the wrong end of the stick but I think that was like part of his vlogging and giving more access Was at least other teams wait for Amazon to ask them he just is
3: making like a, a fucking cyclist what is it? What is the deal with cyclists now all wearing go wearing goplos pros, recording absolutely everything on their ride getting in and then going wow, I'll edit my best bits um, yeah
0: anyway i think it's more for if they get oh, no, the no, cars no. and stuff i think yeah. it's a safety thing i don't think it's ego <laughs> okay <laughs> they they're just big-headed cyclists going around
3: <laughs> well i've seen it before.
0: what oh, is the deal with ambience um, you, they need to tell us that they're on all the right, road with these big sirens
1: <laughs> is ego on them fine um fine. <laughs> To answer the question, I'm
3: all for cyclists, and let me just say again, thank you very much to our sponsors, Rally Bicycle.
1: <laughs> to, um, to answer the question, who who would be most enjoy kind of daily vlog from Saint Maximum, I just think yeah, it'd be I fun. Know. Yeah, he says and,
3: it could be a current or former
1: player. Oh, uh, oh, in that case, Saint Maximum.
3: I'd have liked to have seen a um, Nile Ranger vlog.
1: Yes. The, can you? Can you not just? Can
3: you not just it would have get been an on TV. into another world. I always wanted to know well, what exactly is going on with No Ranger. Just watch Crime Stoppers. Uh, yeah,
0: I do uh, think with some players though, you, we are essentially getting vlogs from them. Just anyone who's on Instagram, we get like, I know what coffee Miguel Almirón drinks thanks to his videos. <laughs> I don't need that level of access.
3: And who would give the worst vlog? I mean, who was our most... James Milner? Although
0: he's quite funny, isn't he? He's is quite
3: he... funny, yeah. Darren Ambrose? I mean, this could be the worst or the best, again. I just want to know what Henri Saive's life is like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think he's just constantly going to the tip and doing stuff to fill his days. The
3: thing is, Feels like a dick? Henri Saive's, is that training every day does he does he train with the first team or the the under 23s and what is his interaction like with the other players and just what is that like
0: (laughs) is he because he's constantly surrounded by kids as well is it just like those american films where an older person goes back to school undercover
3: (laughs) (laughs) but like if he's with the under 23s then surely he's like playing every day he's training with players on like a couple of hundred pound a week have better career prospects than him but he's on like, what is he on, like 40 grand a week? grand, 40 grand yeah. so instead of never it's been like, kissed it's never been picked so he's like, he's a professional footballer but not really, he's just essentially <laughs> a, a millionaire so you're just like, every day you go to training and there's like Peter Jones <laughs> 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 just playing next to you
0: he's just a professional trainer I guess, that's what he does I'm just, yeah. like, he's not worrying about, oh, are we going to go to that barbecue on Saturday? Yes. Book it in. There is no way I'm busy on Saturday. <laughs>
3: yeah. So almost, yeah, almost, I'm sort of like the anti, the players' ones who you would think would be the most boring are the ones that I would sort of find the most interesting. Hmm. I don't want no Razmataz. I don't want no, like, Hey, now you're having fun here. Let's go. I don't want that. Who's <laughs> want... that player? That's just a random. Oh, he's that guy we signed from Eurovision, wasn't he? <laughs> that that was my impression of a random glamorous footballer. <laughs> I want who's <laughs> gonna be doing like wild and crazy things. Yeah. I want a footballer who's just like filling out his tax. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Every every player has a potential for theirs to be interesting. it's did say it Ramiobi's legendary MTV Cribs
0: episode. Oh yeah,
3: mm. His would have been quite boring. Would have been pretty bad.
0: I imagine Kieran Dyer's would be boring, but offset by him being very flashy. But it would just mm. be like an annoying watch.
3: Flashy with a Suffolk accent.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a good yeah. question. I'm going to keep thinking about it.
3: Okay. So our uh, our next football match is on Sunday. It is against Arsenal. We're at home. Uh, me and Paul are starting to wonder whether it's possible we could watch this in a pub garden. It seems unlikely, but if you have a... If you... Well, it's not a tip-off. If you happen to... <laughs> be the landlord of a pub in London with a pub garden and fancy letting us have a table, then do get in touch. (laughs) Um, Or if you're an eccentric
0: millionaire like Henri Saive, want to invite us to your garden. Um,
3: So, uh, yes, we're playing Arsenal. They're shit now. We're good now. This should be easy, right? This is our
0: second Big Six game in a row where we get to stick it to the man.
3: (laughs) We're going to walk all over them, right? Dave?
1: Dave? Well, I'll tell you what. They play Villarreal just before us and Villarreal just after us. Um, And you would assume that they would need to take that competition more seriously because they're not likely to get into the Champions League by league position. So winning the U Uroba is their best shot. <clears throat> so um, they might not actually take us that seriously. And we I would I'd be I wouldn't be surprised if we got a point. Mm-hmm. Wilson's mm-hmm. gonna be more more match fit. St. Maximum's got um, some more games under his belt, etc. cetera, et cetera. um there was talk that like um Fabian Shaw was in um he was in the under twenty
0: three squad. Yeah, he
3: played for the under 23s s. I do, I do feel like every time we've got to this point in the last couple of years, where we go, hang on a minute, are we all right now? Um, we then go shit. Um, well,
0: I think this is not as daunting a game as, say, like West Ham recently. Sure. I don't. I think Arsenal. Sometimes the fear factor is based on one player. Like Every time we came up against them in recent years, it's like, oh, Obama or Urzel would have a great game. But I don't really feel like that is an issue. I think, as well, like Dave says, they're not going to be focused on us particularly. And we're going to have our best players all available and with games under their belts. I think we'll I'm win.
3: Presuming uh, Willick's not allowed to play. No. No. So Mm. now we can't rely on him to get us a late winner.
0: I wonder if we'll see either Matty Longstaff or Elliot Anderson on the bench for this to take his place. I would definitely like to. I think the closer we get to safety, the more sense it makes to get games for that sort of level of player.
3: Matty Longstaff Mm. has been out for so long now, like since signing a deal with us. He's been out for so long now that... I wonder like will he ever get back in
1: but... well it's interesting because um with matty longstaff the way that we're playing right now mm-hmm. you would argue that it would suit him because it's mm-hmm. like high energy lots of press and all the rest of it like you would you would argue that yeah he could he could come in and certainly do the same kind of job as we're asking with Sean Longstaff. Um,
3: he could certainly be a like for like replacement for Joe Willock as well. I mean, he's the yeah. most obvious replacement. Definitely. Definitely. And apparently, and, the club do have high hopes for Elliot Anderson, so I'm sure he'd be disappointed not to get a chance as well.
0: There are two players where you just think, why haven't they been out on loan? Like, I get it, sort of covering against injuries, but surely you can just have them out on loan and recall them if you do? Or is that just football manager, not the real world?
3: I don't uh, think you can, remember on Football Manager, you can only record them at, at certain points of the season outside of the transfer window. You can't uh, so,
0: Either yeah. way, at least one of them should have gone out on loan, especially after we loaned Willock in.
1: I don't know yeah. why Elliot Anderson is kept here. Um, one thing that I'll oh, go on, Dave. Yeah. I was just gonna say that as it stands, we are nine points clear of eighteenth position and they play on the Saturday against Chelsea and I think that if they don't
3: win that game.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well eighteenth, but yeah, Fulham. If they don't win, if they don't beat Chelsea, that gives them like four games to get more than nine points. you know, it's it's pretty likely that, that that's that. So by Saturday,
3: our boys might be on the beach. The, we're all working under the assumption. Um, well, so if, if Fulham Arsenal
0: lose game, and we win, and we win. win. sorry, so if Fulham lose and we win, does that mean we're safe? Uh,
3: yeah. Does it? Because they've still got to play us, so... Well, yeah, but
1: if... that, So yeah, if... It doesn't really matter because if, if we if we go twelve points clear and there are twelve games left, there uh, are twelve points left available, and they're currently oh level on goal difference with us, so it would come down to goal difference.
3: Oh, yeah. Okay, so but yeah, we are essentially safe, which means that uh, I reckon we won't quite be on the beach yet in the Arsenal game. But after that, our last four games of the season were going to be awful. Um, so enjoy the Arsenal game. Let's have uh, score predictions for the fuck of it. Dave? 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Paul?
0: 2-0 Newcastle.
3: 2-0 Newcastle. 4. I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. Oh. Wow. Although I don't know if I believe that Arsenal will score that many goals. But yeah, I just wanted a different prediction. <laughs> OK. All right. Let's leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dave Watson. Thanks, Fergus. Thank you, to Paul Doolan. Thank you. Thank you to Graham Jones and thank you to you, the listener. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>